On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Sidetracks, the unscripted and unruly series where we share with you what we've been watching and whether it's worth your time. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. is katie welcome to sidetracks hi there i'm Brittany, and we've got another episode of sidetracks to hold you over until next week's episode on cobweb yeah between last week's episode of bones and all oh yeah i'm excited so i'm like woohoo and then we after cobweb we will officially be uh, looking into spooktober Spooktober. and i don't know if katie wants to spill the beans or not but we do have two special guests joining us in october special guests Mm -hmm. listeners and friends of the pod so you know they're well educated so we're gonna be very excited to share them some you know some you don't know yet or you might know but not haven't been a new and an old guest so i'm proposing this to katie like right now on the podcast so you'll hear her reaction Mm -hmm. for the first time we don't know for sure we're going to do this because i'm just springing this on katie but katie did you see mike flanagan's new tv series with netflix uh the fall the The house of the house of usher the trailer yes. premiered today. Oh, I haven't gone to watch the trailer yet. I should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it pop up yesterday on Facebook. It was like, this is coming. And Scott uh, has been complaining. <laughs> he he just looked at House on uh, the Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. the other day and was like, Mike Flanagan needs to make this again. Because I just want to rewatch this without remembering any of it. And I was like, well, he's working on it. And he's like, well, it's not soon enough. Obviously joking. And so when I saw the ad pop up that it's coming out on October 12th, I sent him a screenshot. I was like, well, I guess Mike Flanagan heard you complaining because it's coming in October. I thought we were going to have to wait longer because I honestly thought, excuse me, I thought they wouldn't be done uh, editing and doing everything so it was much more ahead of schedule than i remembered because they had midnight club which i did not finish i didn't either to be honest i liked the premise but i got like four episodes in and i stopped watching and i feel bad about that because that is the first mike flanagan thing i haven't finished yeah, that sounds like and you too. That is true. It's absolutely me too. Well, I wanted to um, read you real quick what Mike Flanagan had to say 
about the series. So he, this is speaking uh, to the rap. He said, it's crazy. It's unlike anything I've ever done, but in the other direction. My favorite way to describe it to people is like Hill House is kind of a string quartet. And Blind Manor is this delicate, kind of beautiful piece of classical piano music. And The Fall of the House mm. of Usher is heavy metal. It's rock and roll. And okay. when you see what is the Midnight tra- Mass? He didn't say anything about Midnight Mass. <gasps> Isn't that crazy? I know it's we mass. both love Midnight it's, Mass. It's mass music. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous, contemplative. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love Midnight Mass. Oh. I was going to say, and I don't know how you and Ryan feel about it, but I was wondering for our last episode of Spooktober, because I know me and I know you, I'm like, what if we just mm-hmm. binge and talked about the fall of the House of Usher for the last episode? That would be fun. That would yeah. be fun. Instead of sidetrack, sidetracks, we just talk mm-hmm. fall of the House of Usher, like the Barbenheimer. I'm down for it, because you know... Yeah. I will be watching it. <laughs> yeah, we'll both binge watch it. And it's eight episodes. It's eight episodes, and I yeah. think they're probably going to be around an hour long each. So I'm like, yeah, realistically, usually. usually me and my husband will probably, during the weekdays, knock out two or three episodes in one night. Because if there's one thing we're going to stay up past our bedtime floor, it's going to be a Mike Man- Flanagan TV show. So yeah. I'm glad Scott also likes Mike Flanagan stuff. Because if I was dating someone who didn't want to watch Mike Flanagan with me, I'd be like, Absolutely not. Disgusting. Yeah. Taylor, we actually are going to try to in the next week or two because I binge watched. Taylor did watch Haunting of Hill House and Blind Manor, but he uh, was watching football when uh, Midnight Mass was on. So I just, choice, I Taylor. binge. Yeah, I binged it in its entirety by myself. And then I was like. I, I feel like I binged almost every series. I just couldn't stop watching except for. Min, uh, the Midnight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Which it wasn't bad at all. I just think, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but like kids with terminal illnesses bring back trauma from my childhood. I didn't have a terminal illness. Obviously, I'm alive, but I lost a friend to childhood cancer and watching kids in hospice with similar things going on does trigger stuff for me. Like, you, I mean, I've processed a lot of it, but it's still, like, I can only take so much in one sitting of watching yeah. children die. I mean, I know it's awful for everyone, but I guess because it happened when I was young, it's still, like, it, I don't know. It's something I've never been able to fully shake it. So whenever there's, like, a movie where someone's going to be, like, terminally ill, I'm like, like, I've never watched, like, Terms of Endearment. I'm like, I don't oh, want to watch it because... Yeah. Stepma the stepmother or step stepmom. It's a mother. Step-mom? It's a mother and do- it's a mother daughter. Yeah, stepmom. I've and then the movie Stepmom with Susan Sarandon. I've watched like, the beginning. Yeah, and then I was just like, ah, no, I can't, I can't do this. I just it gets me in a place that makes me like. I don't know. Like, I can handle it, but, like, I don't like putting myself through that. That reminds me of uh, Bowser Met the Girls this past Saturday. My uh, <gasps> my fur nephew met my fosters, and um, he was enchanted by them. He kept trying to hump them, and I was like, they're oh, literal no. children. They're six months old. And Bowser like, is a deviant. When it Bowser, comes to that. his it was pretty hilarious though because Bowser started humping Riley and Taylor was like no, and then as soon as Bowser stopped, Riley started humping Bowser and we're like, what the hell is wrong <gasps> with you? Riley took back his power. Yeah, exactly. And then like Bowser's trying to like hump the girls and the girls are like, Jeez. what the fuck is happening? So yeah, Mabel's just like, none of you all touch me. And I was like, yeah, Mabel's yeah. the only one that if you touch her, she'll break your neck. Well, speaking of taboo things like 
pumping things. So I started watching Taboo. 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 Have you watched it yet? I have not. Taboo. Mm -mm. Um, So it's a Tom Hardy BBC show. And it has Tom Hardy, Jesse Buckley, Jonathan Price. Una Chaplin, so we got so we got some Game of Thrones Teresa. right there. Tom Hollander and Michael Kelly, and it is a story that Tom Hardy and his dad wrote together, which is wild because there's a lot of sex stuff in it. It's not as it's not like Game of Thrones where people are constantly fucking, but yeah. there's some sexy scenes, and I won't ruin. What you will figure out is what the taboo thing is. But basically, Tom Hardy plays this guy, James Delaney, and his dad, who was a merchant, has just died. And everyone thought James was dead. So the East India Company thinks that they can buy this land in, like, uh, the Pacific Northwest. Oh, it's mm-hmm. in Regency period England, by the way. Oh, so, also, so it's Jane a period Austen drama. Times. But it's like a dark, dark version of that. So they think the East India Company thinks that they can buy this. It's between like Canada and like Oregon piece of land called Nootka from his sister and her husband, who's an asshole. Well, or his half sister and um, his her husband, who's an asshole. Well, he shows up at the funeral alive because everyone thought he was dead, and he's the sole inheritor. So basically, Mm. people are, like, trying to kill him over land because it's during, like, the War of 18... I don't know if it is 1812, but it's, like, you know, America and England are warring for, you know, land and stuff in North America. And so um, there's all that stuff going on. But also, he's, like, a really, like, he's, a like, the classic anti-hero. And he does a lot of stuff that I do not approve of. But it's also Tom Hardy. So it's fun to watch him do it because he has a great voice. And there's, like, this serious thing about how his mom was from. She's, like, a Native American person. But his dad basically bought her for the land. And Mm. his dad didn't treat her very well. And then told everyone she was Italian because they were racists. And made her... When when she didn't want to pretend to be something she wasn't, he, like, sent her to an asylum, which was not fun in that period. Um, So, so of course, James hates his dad, which is funny that Tom Hardy and his dad wrote this story. But um, it's very interesting. And there's a very interesting relationship between him and his sister, who's played by Una Chaplin. And Jesse Buckley is someone close to his father. Um, she's an actress and honestly her hair has never looked better because she's got that the cute little ringlets from the Regency period but she's got mm-hmm. her red hair so it's really good I have not finished the first season I think it came out in like 2017 or 2018 originally and I remember hearing about it and it's on Peacock right now but they actually just got approved for a second season oh wow so many but that I mean that's not that uncommon for the BBC they did that with Red Dwarf where they did like five seasons and then they, like, stopped doing it for a few years. And then they're like, oh, let's bring it back. And, like, every five years they'd have a season of Red Dwarf, you know. Um, so I'm I'm kind of excited about it. But I haven't finished the first season. I've gotten, like, two-thirds of the way there. Okay. Um, we're watching that. And we're Scott's watching Mr. Robot with me. Oh, nice. It's great. We're in, uh, we're almost done with season two. So it's getting really good. Season two kind of starts out slow. And then leads into, like, season three, which gets 
absolutely buck wild. And then season four is like just like the perfect finale. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, Scott's already seen Taboo. And I've already seen Mr. Robot, so we're making each other watch shows that we enjoy watching a second time. Because it was one that I looked at and I was like, oh, that does look good. But I just never, like, I don't think I had the streaming service that it was on originally. But it was good. Did you watch yeah. anything? Yeah. Like, uh, like Taboo? Any uh, not, period dramas? No, unfortunately, no period dramas these uh, these last two weeks. I did finish the finale of uh, Men in Kilts, and it was really disappointing. Not not the finale. The oh. finale was cute. But it was the season was only four episodes. That was very disappointing. So I don't know mm. if it's just they went through, if like New Zealand, they just were able to go through it faster. But the finale... What bothered me, they're like, at the, the last 10, 15 minutes, they're like talking about, they're like, they're talking about the adventures they had during the first three episodes, and then they start talking about these other things, and they're like, oh, the dolphins, and then it shows like a clip of like dolphins, and they're like, and the penguins, and there's like them playing with penguins, and I was like, why didn't we get an episode just dedicated to like the dolphins, the penguins, the kiwi, like all the animals, yeah. I feel like that would have been really cool too. But um, I actually like this season a lot because, you know, it's Sam Hewen, who, of course, is Jamie and Outlander, mm-hmm. and Graham McTavish, who is also an Outlander. But I think he currently lives in New Zealand because, like, he was over there filming The Hobbit, fell in love with it. So now, like, he lives there full time. But, yeah, they have That's a really good, good like, fun. They have a really, like, good, fun chemistry. And it's kind of like Sam is, like, the let's do it. Like, he's, like, the adrenaline junkie. And then Graham is the one that's, like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it because Sam is, like, making me do it. And I was like, I think this is, like, if me and Katie had, like, a travel show. Like, I feel like you would definitely be more like the Sam. And I would be, like, Let's the Graham. Like, yeah, I'd be, like, I don't really fucking feel like doing this, yes. but I guess, I guess I'm going to do it. You know what's funny, though? Yeah. I think if it was you and me, absolutely. The funny thing is I'm also a bit of a planner, though. Like, I want to have spon- – but I, ha- I want spontaneous time when I travel, but I need it scheduled. I have yeah. learned. But if I have someone else who's a scheduler, I can let go of that. But, like, Scott's very go with the flow. So when we went to Savannah, I, like, had an itinerary. It was like, okay, so th- we're going to do this, this, and this. But then I had scheduled out, and this is free time. We can do whatever the fuck we want. He was like, what? I was like, you'll thank me when we have restaurant reservations and yes. tickets to see haunted shows. And it was fine. But it was very funny because it was very much. But if I have someone else in the party who's already doing all like the planning like family vacations my mom's a big planner so i'm just like i'll just relax and be the spontaneous one so but yes i think yeah. when i went to i'd probably be like yeah let's go swimming with swimming with dolphins is fun i accidentally swim with dolphins once well they we were, actually like, in they, Florida. They, they were just there they didn't like do the swim with dolphins but they did, like the bo- like they did the clip of the boat tour and they're like the dolphins are leaping out of the water Aww. now it, it was like in the first or second episode of the four episodes that for new zealand this season uh they did the underwater cage with the shark so i would do oh. that they also did like the giant hamster wheel kind of thing that you go down are you in the-, the water with the shark yeah mm-hmm so, like, you have a cage. Like, they dip the cage into the oh, water and they... I thought they, you said yeah. cave with a V. Yeah. No, That's why God, I was no. like, you're in just a cave with a shark? Yeah. Like, have at it. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. I was like, is it a nurse shark? Then that's okay. No. A whale shark? Sure. Yeah, Yeah. no. No, 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 no. Yeah, like, uh, Brittany, like... With the cage, yes. Me... 
me, my thing is I, I understand how important sharks are to our ecosystem. I would never hurt one. I think shark yeah. fin soup should be completely banned. Uh, but yeah, I, you would not find me fucking swimming freely next to any kind of shark. I'm terrified of them. But the cage, I would go down into. Absolutely. I would be okay in the cage because the cage yeah. is connected to the boat. So it's like you're you're right there. If you need to come up and get on the boat, like you could do it. Like that's yeah. fine. And then they have like the Although giant I have hamster. seen at least two horror movies where that is like the starting or like people go in a cage and then they get dropped. <laughs> and then they're like, oh no. I was like, this is terrible yeah they weren't good horror movies yeah it's like i don't think very many movies do sharks very well except like obviously jaws is like the granddaddy yeah. king kubla kong of the shark films and then when i, I was a jaws. kid we saw deep blue sea in the theaters and i did love deep blue sea when i was a kid <laughs> so yeah i didn't watch that until i was an adult and when i did finally watch it I did not expect what happens to Sam Jackson to happen to Sam oh. Jackson. I was like, I was like, oh! yes, like, people in the theaters you? like yelped. Like that was not okay. So also, also spoiler, there's a rap song about sharks in it. Oh, and deepest, bluest. My head is like a shark's fin. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's spoiler, guys. But this movie came out in 1999, so it's 24 years old now. So LL Cool J survives. Like that was like unheard of at the time that like a black person survives seeing in the movie, right? But more than that, True. there was no final girl. The final the final girl, the doctor, you think she's gonna live towards the end of the film and she dies in like the last ten minutes. That was like really shocking too when it happened. Yeah. Wait, did LL Cool J sing the song? Didn't he? Yes. I, yeah, I think he did. Cause I think in the music video he transforms into a shark, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> What? There's a third. There's there are two more deep blue sea movies. I did not know that. I think I knew about part two. Maybe I maybe knew about part two, but I didn't know there's part three too. Yeah. And Thomas Jane is in it. He was like cute guy. Oh, the lead character, the blonde. Yeah, yeah, he's the other survivor along with LL Cool J at the end. He's been in some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're trying to find like a like a cure for Alzheimer's. Yeah, that's the big thing. They like subtract it from the shark's brain they think but it, it makes them mean yeah. when they do it right that's the big yeah. thing it makes them mean so Stellan Skarsgård the Scars Guardian of all the Scars Guards is in it I forgot that I was trying to find deepest bluest shark spin written deepest, by LL Cool J as My James like Todd Smith <laughs> Timothy quote China Black unquote Hom as Timothy Hom and Ralph Roundtree tight Co-produced See, by Trevor Rabin, performed by LL Cool J. I just, Jesus I think it's Lewis. like, so, it's my head is like shark's fin. Yeah, and then he like literally turns in, I really think if I'm remembering the music video for that, he turns into the shark. Because I think that was the thing, so it came out in 99. <laughs> I think maybe my dad bought our first DVD player ever, like 2000, and we bought Deep Blue Sea on DVD. And I think the music video was like a featurette on the dvd you know what's so interesting about this movie so it's in connections it says it was on imdb featured in siskel and ebert the haunting lake Placid, too. drop dead gorgeous inspector gadget an autumn tale i don't I've, i remember an autumn tale commercials but i don't remember what it was about but i remember all the other ones we saw I love that lake placid and deep blue sea came out at the same time 
and that Drop Dead Gorgeous and Inspector Gadget were playing when those were. Drop Dead Gorgeous is one of the best movies of all time, if you have not yet watched it. God, I love that movie. But that sounds like a fun show. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, we already talked about this, so I will just mention briefly if you guys didn't get to watch it, but I know Britt watched it a while back because we talked about it, but the series The Interview with the Vampire yes, is on Max right now. AMC Plus is doing some kind of promotion with Max where like seven of their favorite shows are available to stream on Max. And so I finally started it, and I'm like a couple, maybe three episodes in, and it's yeah. really good. I, I really it too. like it. It's yeah, it's Jacob Anderson, and oh, I'm blanking on the the reporter's the name, but it's oh yeah, oh the, shit. Well, no, the reporter's God. name, the actor's yes. name. He's so good but in he's, that too. He's so good, and he's been in a ton of stuff, and he's got like that gruff reporter voice. But it's it's the same reporter and vampire from the original story, but like 25 years later and yes. or maybe even longer than that and like the reporter's gotten old and Lestat is basically like telling him his story but like, I, th- I I'm assuming with the intention of being like would you like to be my new companion sorry I tried to eat you last time there is like but it's Lestat's very like chill though and I like he's this like really modern like penthouse apartment it's really cool without spoiling too much like if you know like if you have any like basis of the vampire chronicle novels and like interview with the vampire the vampire Lestat and uh queen of the dam were like the first three novels in that series yeah. there's a lot of little like easter eggs and callbacks to like different characters and that's like a really really cool thing to kind of see in this series um I think it's like very visually beautiful um I it do is. have a few qualms with it but i don't want to spoil anything so the more you get into the series we'll have to discuss a little bit more of that yeah yeah i haven't watched all of it but i did start it and i was like this is i really like it i really went to watch it and i didn't want to pay for another streaming service when it came out so i was like perfect opportunity i think it is streaming through october 31st is what Mm -hmm. i heard there's there's like six other series on there so if you scroll down on your max app you'll we'll find like the amc stuff so i was like all right i will finally start watching this and the second season's coming up too but you can't watch they're not gonna put the new season on there i think it's just a limited thing to get people to start buying amc yes i was about to say and you you may already know this but i don't know why but i do know the role of claudia has been recast in the second season so it's well, no that's longer going to be because she's not supposed to age. Yeah. Well, no, no. I think it's like another young woman who's going to be around like the same age and looks like. I just don't know why the actual actress isn't huh. coming back for the second season. Hopefully, nothing's wrong. Maybe she got a better gig, like on uh, what should I call it? Well, anyone uh, who, ooh, Game of Thrones. Anyone who uh, who has watched Interview with the Vampire, even the Brad Pitt version, knows uh, kind of Claudia's backstory. So there would yeah. be real no reason to cast a different actress. So the only thing I could think of is that actress must have gotten something that made her leave the show. But I need to research that more. I was just wanted to think. I just yeah. wanted to say something when I thought about it. But that's good. I mean, it's good though. But you should totally watch it if you at all mm-hmm. like vampires. Yeah, because it is. It is quite an interesting show what's something else you watched Brett? so i did okay so i'm not gonna like try to rant about this too much but 
I did see it was on Stars, which is ironic because if you guys know anything about Resident Evil and Nemesis, uh, who's the lead antagonist of Resident Evil 3, he always goes Stars because he's trying to find like yeah. the Stars team stars. to kill him. Uh, so yeah. this movie is on Stars, but we did watch Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. I've almost watched it so many times. Worth it? I did see it had 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try <laughs> to go into this with a like clean mime. So the pros I will say about the movie, there are some like there are some settings in the movie that are like you exactly like the video game. Like it's like set up like you're like seeing the video game and that's like really cool. There's like some that's really cool. cool like little fan service moments. Like, you know, they have the itchy tasty. So if you like play the first Resident Evil, you find a diary and slowly the guy's becoming mm -hmm. a zombie. At the end he like writes for itchy tasty. So there's like these little moments that I was like, oh that's cool. Oh that's a callback to this. But it is not good oh no it is not good um so basically for some fucking unknown reason they decided to combine the stories of the first game the second game and the third game into a 90 minute movie um yes uh you know, like they, 10 hour games <laughs> leon x kennedy who is like yes. you know one of the two playable characters in resident evil 2 and the lead playable character the lead character in resident evil 4 he's a complete fucking badass for some reason, the blonde one. Uh, he's like he's like reddish, like a reddish hair. It's like kind of like the '90s part, like you know how they have like the Jack Dawson. Well, part. yeah, but in in the fourth one, they get real blondy with him. Oh yeah, like they lighten the the color. Yeah. I guess yeah, yeah. He looks like a Backstreet Boy with yeah. muscles. Exactly. That's kind of what it is. It's like he has that Leo cap because it's, you know, Resident Evil's taking place in like 96, 97, 98. Yeah. And even the movie is taking place in like, I think, 98, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for some reason, Leon in the movie, and I mean, God bless the actor, it's not his fault that this part was written really bad, but they made Leon like this rookie cop that everyone just like gives shit because he like supposedly I guess accidentally harmed his partner and they're just like oh yeah Leon's useless and what? there's like this running gag that he's like a just a pussy essentially in the movie and I just I'm like we're, we, we, we're talking about Leon That's S. Weird. Kennedy what in the actual fuck and they just made some like I don't remember that from it's, any yeah, of the games it's not, it's not a thing in the games and like no. Jill? I don't know. I get to play him in Dead by Daylight, by the way. He's oh. one of, I bought him in Claire. Yay, and I love Claire. Oh, wait, did I buy him in Claire? Did I buy him in... Jill? Shit. Jill. No, I have okay, Jill. Yeah. Sorry. You can... Claire is also available. So you can buy Nemesis, Leon, and Jill. And then there's a second one that's Wesker, Claire, and... Oh, fuck. I'm blanking. A Anna, Anna Wong. Oh, what? Anna Wong. Ada. Anna? Ada. Ada, 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 the dog in space, the TV show, her real name is Ada, named after the Resident Evil character, but she plays Colin, the dog, but they play Resident Evil in that, there's an episode, the reason Shaun of the Dead happened, which I happened to watch Hot Fuzz because I was watching someone talk about Shaun of the Dead and Shaun of the Dead wasn't available, the reason Shaun of the Dead happened was because they did a zombie episode on Spaced because they were playing Resident Evil 2 on it and everyone turns into resident evil zombies in uh simon Pegg's character's brain yeah. and so that's why shawn of the dead exists because of resident evil so i love it you're welcome i love it that's the thing yeah. when my brother had a playstation like i'm talking about the original og playstation and me and him were like maybe mm -hmm. seven and eight and we were playing resident evil i'll never forget because obviously it's like a zombie game 
but it's there's like everyone knows the scene where it's like it's a long corridor corridor and there's like windows and you mm-hmm. go down that corridor and you go down once and it's like okay whatever but then you come back and the dogs bust through the window and I jumped out of my skin uh-huh. the first time that happened terrifying yes terrifying so i was like dude but this is the other thing that there was like so many little things that like bothered me because i'm like we probably could have probably somewhere in the midst of this we could have had a really decent film or at least like on a fan service level enjoyable yeah because it's obviously whoever was like writing the script had enough resident evil lore that they were able to take bits and pieces from different games and stuff that was really cool but it's just the fact that they merged so many storylines and then they did it in just 90 minutes. And I love a good short film. A 90-minute film, that's great. But this was not the story for a 90-minute yeah. film. And then they did this weird mix of practical effects and CGI. So the practical effects looked actually really, really good in some parts. But then when they did the CGI, it was just too blatantly obvious it was CGI. Mm. And that seemed really weird to me because they had a practical effect, Cerebus, which is the dogs in the Resident Evil universe they had practical effects rebus that looked really really good in the beginning of the movie and then for some reason 30 minutes down the road we got a CGI one that is like blatantly looks like it's taken out of the video no. game and I'm like I don't know what we're doing it also like was so dark and don't get me wrong darkness in horror movies that's an obvious choice but when it's so dark that your husband's like it's the glare on the tv we need a new tv no it's not you're just letting husbands have like yeah that's not that's not you should at least be able to see it Jeez, it's just that's disappointing okay so they the only, all the actors, they look familiar to me, but then when I was looking up their internet movie database, I was like, I don't really know these actors. I guess maybe I've just seen clips of them somewhere. But the only actor that immediately, I was like, that's Lufer. That's number one from Umbrella Academy. So they have the guy who plays Lufer, aka Space Boy, aka number one, the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. He also is Samuel Tarley's brother in Game of Thrones. Yes, Dickens. They have him playing. Yes, yes, Dick, Dick and Tarley. Is yes. he Leon? He's not Leon, he's Wesker. What? Wesker's like skinny. Yes. Well, Wesker is like, you know, he's like, like tall and cool. slight. Yeah, but cool. Like he wears a fucking yeah, and, duster like in the Matrix. Yeah, and sunglasses all the time. He never takes them off, yeah. right? And it's just like, so this Wesker is like definitely like one of the team and he's so cool. And you know, it's Wesker and like Tom Hopper, that's the actor. Yeah, Tom Hopper, thank you. It just felt like all these characters were written so strangely. You know what bothers me is apparently Neil McDonough McDonough is in this mm-hmm. show. He would be the perfect Wesker. My thing is, I think they really... Because, of course, it has an end credit scene. And spoilers, guys, Ada's in the end credit scene. She's not in the also, entire movie. Also, Leon and she's does in the not end look like scene. a Leon. But this is the actor's headshot, so maybe... The Chris looks like Chris. I will say that. Yeah, Chris, the Chris... The Claire, the Claire and Chris were like definitely the more traditional casting, and then they they did a little bit of different with Jill and Leon, which I don't mind at all. Um, I guess when they're video game characters, I do want them to look like the video game characters. When it's a book, I don't really care, but unless it's like yeah. integral to the plot. But like I don't know. I guess when it's a video game character. Because I am used to seeing it, I would rather have it brought to life. And it kind of breaks the immersion for me if they don't look similar. I guess that's why I'm surprised with the casting. We'll just put it that way. And see, 
a lot of people had issues with the casting, but I like tried to be open minded about casting because yeah. I was like, you know what? Maybe they're just the best person for the job. There's nothing wrong with that. But even for me, and I don't know if this is just coming from years and decades of loving this video game series, but I always imagine Jill is very much like a Clarice Starling type character. Yeah. Like, yes, she's like this beautiful woman, but she is like, her mind is on the mission, you know? It's like, this is who she is. She's like the top of her game. And even just Jill felt very, very off to me in this movie. Mm. So yeah, I there was all these little cool tidbits, like I said again. So like, even like Jill at one point, it's like, what do you guys think is a worse death being swallowed alive by a snake or eaten by a shark? And I'm like, oh, that's a cool callback to the first Resident yeah. Evil 2, because obviously there's a giant snake and a shark. Yeah. But all these cool little things. Um, and I really wanted to like it, but I was just like, even the dialogue, man. I'm just like, okay, so usually I don't always agree with very low scores, but I'm like, this is a hard-earned 28%. Ooh. I I would have to agree that it's a... Also, I hate it's saying this. It's a pretty low-tier film. I honestly thought, I thought the guy who apparently is Leon, I thought it was Carlo. Carlos? Oh, Carlos, Carlos yeah. I had a co-worker named yeah, Carlos, and that's so. funny. Because and I love yeah. Carlos. That's why I thought it was about him. And I was like, oh, I love Carlos. Yeah. But the only well, thing they did the with Jill was they that- put, gave her the red jacket. I mean, Claire. They gave her the red jacket. Yeah. And Jill. That's the big thing. Isn't wearing Jill's outfit. Oh, they do also make the joke about the Jill sandwich. I'm like, oh, okay. You guys okay, got the Jill right. sandwich. But joke he looks in like there. Carlos. Why? I don't know. I I don't like getting hung up on how people look, but like I honestly saw it and I was like, oh, that's Carlos. I'm so excited to see more of him because he's a great character. Yeah. No. It's still like this is the thing. Even Taylor was talking. He's like, imagine, imagine taking the three Resident Evil video games, combining them into one, and not having. Nemesis or Mr. <gasps> X. So Nemesis and Mr. X are like, those Neither? are the two tyrants like everyone knows. Neither huh? of them show up? No. The only so tyrant no is Carlos. the Birkin. There's no Carlos no and Carlos. no Nemesis. No Mr. X. Yeah. The only tyrant that shows up is the Birkin. The Birkin tyrant, which is Sherry's dad. That's okay. the scientist. Okay. Yeah, because it's him and Mr. X are the two lead antagonists in uh, part two. So, yeah, we're just like, what? Why? What, was Mr. X or Nemesis too much money? Like, we don't we don't really know why they chose to keep some things and cut other things. It was just, it was a hot mess. This is the other thing that bothers me. So, obviously, by the ending, the, like, mid-credit scene, they obviously wanted to do a sequel. But I'm like, okay... You did the first three games already. Raccoon City Sashore is spoiler. Uh, so the next game would be number four, but you made your Leon into like a bitch boy. So how is like this Leon supposed to lead like the second movie, which would be based on part four? Was the acting okay? <sighs> I mean, you could tell the. I think you could tell the actors were trying with what they were given. And just the script sucked. I mean, okay, so I have the, okay, so I have all of the original one, two, three Resident Evils on either PlayStation or N64. So I've played them with the original voice, and I also have both versions of the remastered first one. So I have one on my Switch, which they've redone the voice work. And I have one on my my um, Steam account before they redid it, like redid it. And it has all the bad dialogue. And it's really fun to watch because it has the Jill sandwich. And it has mm-hmm. really bad uh, 
FMV video at the beginning of the helicopter crash and stuff. It's great. Oh, it's yeah. It's hilarious. It's really bad, but in a great way. We weren't working with Shakespeare, obviously, to start off with. But you can lean into that. And make it really yeah. corny and make it like, I mean, okay, like I just rewatched Hot Fuzz, which never gets old for me. It is corny as fuck, but they are leaning into the stereotypes of action films, and that's why it's funny. I also, by the way, watched 22 Jump Street finally. Same thing. They're just leaning into the silliness and it's fun. That's what you do when you've got a corny movie, because Resident Evil isn't. It is a creepy video game, but I don't think the characters are all that serious On in the first three. It's, they're all like, it's a Jill sandwich. Like, they make jokes and yeah. levity. And the action is serious, but the characters have these kind of goofy camaraderies together. Which is why people liked playing it. Because you got the silliness, and then you got the creepy zombies. You, you should lean into that. And this is me not seeing the movie, but hearing, like, it seems like they didn't lean into that. Which, that was... I but think, maybe that's because I like cringe movies sometimes. Because I genuinely love the Jill Sandwich line. It's great. Yeah, I love you. You were almost a Jill, Jill okay, Sandwich. Jill Sandwich. They, they didn't have Barry in the <gasps> movie either. Okay, the other thing that makes me mad is I see Dom... Uh, 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 shit, the guy from Grounded for Life, the red-headed guy. I was like, oh, is he Barry in this? No, he's Brian no, no Irons, and I don't remember who Brian Irons is. Oh, Chief Chief Irons, right? Is it oh. Chief Irons? Why don't they yeah. have Barry? I love Barry. This is what I don't get. I'm like, if the fund, maybe the funding wasn't there to do three movies, but I, I think at least, at least now they do have the Spencer Mansion, and like once I once again. The set is cool as fuck because they walk into the Spencer Mansion and there it is. There's a staircase that goes into like two Tight. different sides and everything. Like it's really elaborate. It's really cool. It looks just like a game. It is incredible. But I'm like, you know what? Let's say like grounded in the reality, grounded in production value. Yes. What I would have done if I was trying to adapt this movie, be like, as cool as I think the Spencer Mansion is, it's going to be hard to do the snake, it's going to be hard to do the shark, it's going to be hard mm -hmm. to do the hunters. Let's go ahead, just start it at part two. Yeah. And either do a part two, part three combined film and had it be like a two hour film. Because then you follow maybe Jill. split the two movies. Yeah, you could have followed Jill, Claire, and Leon. Yeah. Unfortunately, Chris would have get, would have gotten nixed, but you would have been able to reference back to the events that happened in the first game. You yeah. just done it for dialogue. I would have, yeah, I would have done it one and two together. Because they are happening simultaneously. So you might as well no, do no, that. No, no, two and three are. Two and three are happening simultaneously. Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah, two I and was three not are happening. trusting my own brain. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. This is, this is like So two and three happen at the same time. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the police station and Jill. Okay, yeah. I knew they were That's linked. the whole reason. Yeah, that's the whole reason that, like, Jill is, like, completely in distrust of Umbrella and everything in part three. Because she survived the explosion at the Spencer Mansion. And she's like, yeah, everything's fucked. And she already knows that zombies are, like, coming. Yeah. But it also puts her in a higher place of survival. Because when she meets Nemesis, she's already survived being attacked by one tyrant. Yeah. At the end of the first game. So, obviously, like, Jill's a badass bitch. She's a boss-ass bitch. And she's fun. she's final girl material, so... You know what's really fun? When you play Dead by Daylight, mm. as both Leon and Jill, they have explosives. What? So, Jill mm. has something called Blast Mine, where you can put a Blast Mine 
in a generator when you're fixing it. And Leon has a flashbang. So you can like run and throw something and it'll flashlight and it'll blind the people behind you. But sometimes I forget that I have a flashbang in my hand and I'll accidentally flashbang myself, which is just hilarious. Oh, frankly. Yeah. Um, but it is really fun to just like go up to go like unhook somebody and hit a flashbang and then like the killer can't see and you're just like, okay, bye. Bye-bye now. It's really fun. But they both have really fun perks. I like playing as them. Jill's one of my favorite people to play as. Okay, so I did watch two more things that I definitely want to mention. So one, I don't want to go too far into it because I think it is something that I would want to do on the podcast later. But there is Mm -hmm. a very cool movie called Hellbender on Shudder. And it was made by a filmmaking family during lockdown. And so it is a mother and daughter live in this secluded farmhouse in the middle of like, I think it's like the Adirondacks or something in like New England. And the daughter supposedly has an immunodeficiency. And so she's not really gotten to talk to other people and um, the one outlet she has is her and her mom have a heavy metal band called Hellbender. And Aww. then she finds out that her family has a connection to witches. And things take a real dark turn. And it gets real intense. And there's a lot of, like, really trippy visuals and stuff. So I highly recommend the mother-daughter's mother-daughter in real life and the one she the daughter connects with this other girl and she's actually played by the real life sister of the main character. And then the the father in this family uh, also plays a character that is there briefly. So they basically like, took turns filming and stuff. And it's filmed really well. Like, it's really well done. Um, so it's, I highly recommend. I think it's probably something we probably could do in the future. Okay. It's very, like, I would say it's it's a good, like, winter one. It kind of takes place in the summer, but it's, like, very misty the whole time. And, like, mm. towards the, I think the ending takes place, like, around Christmas time. But, again, I don't, I don't want to, I do want to cover it, so. And then the other thing I saw, which also has to do with mothers and daughters. Um, so, I finally watched Resurrection, which oh, is that okay. new Rebecca Hall, Tim Roth movie that came out a few months ago. And it's, like, a psychological horror. However, uh, there is some extreme gore at the end. And some very disturbing images. So I would warn people, it's it, like the plot is mostly psychological horror, but there is some aspects of it that are very gory. So just like watch out. Because like at first I was like, I don't know why they said this was a horror movie. And then like this one scene happens like, oh, that's why. Because if you don't warn, if you don't call it a horror movie and people walk into this, they're going to be like, completely taken aback um but basically it's this woman who she's a single mom she's like an executive and her life is very put together and she goes to a conference and sees her former partner who was abusive and who wouldn't she she hasn't seen him in 22 years so she had a relationship with this guy and she was like almost like she was like 19 the last time she saw him so he Mm. obviously like groomed her and then abused her. And I won't, like, if you have been in a abusive relationship, like, especially a mentally abusive relationship or a physically abusive relationship where, like, you're gaslit a lot, 
that's basically what it's like. It's like a psychological profile of a person who gets out of that relationship, but never sought the help to really process it because it's like as soon as she sees that person, she starts reverting back into stuff. And he is like basically playing mind games with her. And Tim Roth is the guy. So I love Tim Roth. And Rebecca Hall is obviously like a really good actress. And then like her daughter is about to go off to college. So like her relationship with her daughter gets fractured because of this. And there's a lot of like uh, natal violence, like baby violence that is talked about. Mm. So I would give a trigger warning for that. And I, it didn't really trigger me, but the reviews that I saw that weren't fair, which this would be another one that would be very interesting on an analytical standpoint to do on the podcast, like on a full episode. But a lot of people were complaining that, well, I don't really understand why this movie is scary because like, I don't understand why this woman's acting this way. And I was like, okay, obviously None of these people have been in a abusive relationship because if you have been, even if it's not a romantic relationship, like a father, daughter, mother, daughter, parent, grandparent, partner, spouse, where they are gaslighting the shit out of you. If you have been it through that, you will understand exactly why she's having the reaction she has. And uh, it's very interesting because like, it's like, can the past come back to revert you back? to the person you were when you were in that bad place, you know, hopefully not. But I do think like, it is an interesting look at like, if you don't, if you, even if you move past trauma, if you don't process it, it's not not good. It's not good if you don't process it and how you, like you wouldn't think a person could control another person, but how they can and how they, how people can hold power over people that shouldn't be affected by that. And how common that is. So it is very interesting from that perspective. But I, the, the, there were a couple who were like, I've never been in this kind of relationship. So I think I'm not understanding. But I think it was really well written. And I think it it is, it, it maybe is triggering for some people. Because, I mean, some of the stuff that the person is saying sounds absolutely, like Tim Roth is saying, sounds absolutely batshit crazy. But if you had been conditioned to believe this person because of the abuse, you would have believed it. You know what I mean? Also, Hell, Hell uh, Bender also has some, like, c- mental conditioning kind of things. Because, like, the daughter's getting isolated and the mom doesn't let her, like, leave the house and stuff. So, you know, two movies about <laughs> abuse. Not really. Hellbender's not really about abuse. But it was interesting. And Rebecca Hall was great. And Tim Roth was great. And the daughter was great. Everyone was really good in it. Um, And there is one monologue where she explains the whole history to her coworker about her and this guy. And you never see any flashbacks. It just is a close-up on her face. Almost like the Toni Collette scene in Hereditary. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's just black behind her. Because she's just in her dark office. And she's just telling this girl. And, like, it's so... Like, when she finishes... The reaction from the girl is, like, obviously not what she thought the reaction would be. And, like, it kind of makes her react in a different way. It's it's very interesting, though. It's really good. So, but those are probably the most important. There was some movie that I watched. I remember. Oh, well, a movie that 
I will. We will definitely do in the podcast. I did watch Kill List finally. Oh, that's right. You're telling yes. me about that. Did we discuss that a little bit before? Yeah. Uh, last I don't week's know if episode. I actually, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's on Tubi, and it's like a hitman with a dysfunctional marriage goes back to do quote unquote one last job, and uh, it gets real weird, and it is very gory. Um, and there's some folk horror elements. So that was the other thing that I watched. But I don't want to go into that one because, like, I do want to do it on the podcast one day. I just went to do Cobweb because it was more Halloween-y. Yeah. What else? Did, what yeah. Was, was there anything else you watched that you want to talk about to close out? Yeah. So I've, I'll just do two little bits of movie news just really, really quick and mm. lead into my final movie that we watched. We're not going to talk so about Mila say- Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, are we? Oh God, no! I I think that would be too long for the rest oh of the my podcast. God. Uh, it's so bad. yeah, that, we're gonna skip it this but time. But yay, around. justice for I survivors! Wa- yeah, I did want to say absolutely justice for survivors. I did want to say the Venice Film Festival did happen, and Poor Things by Yorgos Lanthimos did take home the Golden Lion. Yay, Yorgos! I want. When I'm is very Poor Things excited. coming out? In December, because I am oh. planning to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me know. And Emma, I'll go see it with you. Emma Stone. So, you know, it's Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, William Defoe. It is getting, like, rave reviews. And Emma is getting very highly praised. I am... They say this is, like, the most Yorgos of the Yorgos movies, which, like, both fascinates <laughs> and terrifies me. Uh, oh, no. Because I... Because we know Dogtooth can be divisive, and I personally love The Favorite. And I haven't seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, but that reminds me, because Barry Kagoin, am I pronouncing Barry's last name right? Okay. I think it's Kogan. So did you see... I think it's Kogan. I think Kogan is right. Kogan. Okay. So you know Barry Kogan, Oh, yeah, he's in a new movie. He's in a new movie. Emerald Fennel Saltburn. And then Emerald, yes. Saltburn. Yes. I saw it Yeah, and so... Scott was like, wait, who is that? I was like, I was like, it's the guy from Banshees of Inishirin. And he was like, oh, because yes. he loved Banshees. He's very upset that they didn't take yeah. home any Oscars. Oh, well, I was about to go into that. So, yeah, so Barry is going to be in Saltburn, uh, which is, he's going to be in it with Jacob Alardi, who's obviously from Euphoria, Rosalind yes. Pike, and fucking yes. uh, Carrie Mulligan. So, I mean, mm-hmm. she has a And it's the writer cast. of Promising Young Woman. Yeah, writer and director, and director. of Promising <laughs> Young Woman. Mm-hmm. Who also was Ma- Midge in the Barbie movie, which we t- I totally forgot yes. to mention when we did Barbenheimer. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah and Emma- also, uh, oh, Nicola from Bridgerton was one of the Barbies, and I forgot to mention that, too. Yes. Nicola oh, yeah, she was from- diplomat Barbie. Yes, from that and um, shit. Irish show. Oh, my God. Fuck. Oh, uh, oh, dairy, dairy girls, dairy, dairy girls, dairy girls, dairy yeah. girls, dairy girls. I'm sorry, dairy girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Barry, because I was thinking about Banshees of Inisherin. So we're uh we're perusing Taylor's like, what do you want to watch? Well, In Bruges was on Stars. Did you watch it? I did. So here's the thing about my I when I saw I agree with Scott. So I was like, in another year, Banshees of Inisherin would have been the movie that swept the Academy Awards. I yes. fucking love that movie. And it's just gorgeous. So years and years and years ago, and as Katie now knows, and anyone who knows me personally knows, I'm like, if we're seeing a movie together, you cannot talk to me. I want to solely focus. <laughs> and the yes. In Bruges is one of the examples of that. Because the first time I was 
trying to watch it. There was people in the room. They were talking. I was missing parts of the movie. So mm. I didn't really get to experience the movie and that way I wanted to. a lot of accents to. to get through. Lots of accents. And there's a lot of story that it's like, if you really yes. aren't paying attention, you're going to miss the nice little nuances in mm-hmm. the story. Um, so watching it with Taylor really felt more like this is my first time watching it. And it's absolutely joyful because it is a good movie and it's very comedic. But there is at least two moments that pull the rug out from under you that you're like, well, fuck, that's serious. I got real upset towards the end. I said, no, no. I'm yeah, like, I don't oh, like this anymore. I don't like this movie anymore. And Scott was like, just keep watching it. Oh, I was like, okay. It's like Ugh. the sad, it's like playing the sad Irish song too. And you're just like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. It was... But I loved it because watching Banshees and in Bruges, so and obviously it's the same team. So we got yeah, uh, Martin Gleason. directing, and we and then yep, and Colin Farrell, and just like so they are phenomenal in in Bruges, and then watching like Banshees Van Sure and just seeing like fourteen years added to their craft is just yeah incredible i think both movies are absolutely amazing but there's something about banshees of an insurance like the cinematography the score everything that i'm like god that's just a fucking movie that i was wowed by by the end credits but yeah i really liked in bruges and then taylor was also pleasantly surprised about he's like i actually really really like that it's a great movie. He's like, I, really I gotta like thank that. Scott yeah. for making me watch it because it's one of his favorite movies. And when we watched Banshees, I'd seen three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, but I hadn't oh, seen another good in movie. Bruges. And it was, I think he rented it because he was like, no, you have to see in Bruges because we watched Banshees. And I was like, I loved it. There were, it is early 2000s. So there's some stuff said that, of course, like, mm-hmm. was a little bit, I was like, Ugh. like, it was, it was definitely funny. Oh, and Ray Fiennes is in it, too. Yes, he is. Ray yeah. Fi- yeah. But it is really well shot. It's weirdly a Christmas movie, by the way, because um, it takes place around Christmas. But it is it is really good. But I did get, like, don't get attached to anybody in that movie. I'm just going to say that. Don't get I too attached. I didn't remember at all that I'm like, oh, shit, that's Flora Delacour. That's, like, just casually oh, in the movie. It's a little yeah. interest. Yeah. It's, it is very, it's very funny and very violent in parts. And yes. very Irish. It's, it's very, um. But set in Belgium. Nihilistic, too. Yeah, it's, it's in Belgium, but, like, everyone's Irish in the movie, except for the obviously the belgian people but like in the town but like the main characters are from ireland it's like absurd like it's like assertist like dark comedy and that's how like banshees is is, too it's kind of like waiting for godot it's like a beckett play it's a little like it's like kind of some mismatched characters going on some very nihilistic adventures but being very funny while they do it I really like in both of those films, too, that their very small cast is very contained within that world, but it immerses you so much in that world. Yeah. And I have a lot of, like, quandaries now about, like, after seeing In Bruges, that I'm like, is it purgatory? Is there something else going on? Is everyone, like, without spoiling the movie, but Katie will know what I mean by this, is everyone dead? Is, you know, is there something missing? Yeah. And Taylor and me kind of have that feeling, too. We kind of have more be more of a... I usually have a nihilistic outlook on movies, but with this one, I was like, I think there's maybe something optimistic hidden here. Yeah, at first I got really upset, and then there's a little bump at the end before the camera cuts Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, okay. Because I was going to get real mad at getting... There's nothing I hate more than getting, like, real, like, into, like, these people 
and then something like all hell breaking loose. But it's like also they're all hitmen. It's another movie where they're two yeah. hitmen and in in mobsters. So it's like uh it's kind of like at least in a movie standpoint there is a violence that's gonna be perpetrating throughout the storyline. So I I should have known going into it, but I was like, but they're just in Bruges. It's fine. Makes me want to go to Bruges really badly. So our friend Jonathan was actually in Germany for a while, and he just was like, and I went to Bruges, and like it was like his Aww. favorite thing ever. Like he just like talked about it, and I was like, you were, you know, I'm the dumbass. So I'm like, you were in Belgium. Did you get a Belgian waffle? Because. <laughs> In Bruges. You, know, you get a Belgian waffle in Bruges. Actually, yeah. is it? Yeah. Oh, there was something on the Great British Baking Show where they made this, a Struff waffle. And it's like, I think it mm. might be Swedish, but it's like a very thin waffle. And you put like chocolate or like honey or some kind of spread in between them. And it's almost like, yes, a, like you, a wafer. Oh, it's a stoop waffle. And you, you put it waffle. over your coffee cup. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, they the they had them at that. Aldi's, the a few months ago, and it was right after I'd watched that Great British Baking Show, and I was like, I'm getting a Stupwafel. It's great. You should try them. I uh, worked at World Market for a year, and they were one of the best Oh, yeah, you had all of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's me. I'm like, I talk about traveling, and I'm like, I just dream of food. Like, I just want to go try different food in different countries, you know? But with that, I guess we should go off the air today, or tonight, whatever. It's nighttime for us, but it might be daytime for you. Um, so thanks for listening and make sure you watch Cobweb. It is available to rent on video on demand. I don't think it's streaming for free anywhere yet, but it is very, very good and I think worth the watch. Um, and it is a little bit Halloween-y, so it'll get us to get our toes wet for spooky season. Um, so be sure to watch that one. It's the one that released this year. And be careful. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was about to say, you mentioned before it released the same day as Barbie and Oppenheimer's the 21st. (laughs) And they didn't do a very good job with it, but it is a very good movie, and that's a big reason why we picked it, because, like, it deserves, it deserves some attention. Um, But be sure to watch that, and be uh, careful, be good to each other, take care of yourself, um, make sure you're safe, and sound and wash your hands and yeah have a great week and we'll see y'all next week yeah spade and new your pets guys we love you very much take care of yourselves and one another and we just look forward to seeing you next time same spoopy time same spoopy channel yes yeah, stay spoopy y'all stay spoopy y'all bye bye, bye everybody
Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.